Hi folks, I'm Alan Watt and this is Cutting Through the Matrix on August the 29th, 2012. For newcomers, help yourself to the free audios at cuttingthroughthematrix.com and if you go through them at your leisure, you'll start to understand the big system you're born into and how it really, really works. It's completely different from what you think because you've been conditioned to think the way that your masters want you to think, in fact, and it's been instilled in your education, and it's also ongoing through the media, too, which is a big part of it. They take over when you leave school, and uh, and from then on, you're simply at the, their beck and call. At least your thoughts are, anyway. Your opinions, too, are given to you. Because, you see, you're in a planned society with planned changes and planned wars, plan cultural changes as well and you will go through all these things which are written about by the big boys the big uh, guys in academia the professors who turn out books and they belong to big um, foundations foundations form a parallel government that really has more power than your general governments because they actually put their own guys into governments across the planet they have done for a hundred years And that's how the world is really, really run. And, of course, the whole thing with the general population is to get the most bang for the buck. In other words, the most cash out of you and the most work out of you. And once you get into a stage of post-industrialism and uh, with technology, of course, requiring fewer and fewer people to work it and to even make it, uh, then you're really kind of redundant. You're what they call useless eaters. And uh, and that's what the big boys said a long time ago. The guys who foresaw this part coming and who gave us the cultural changes all the way through the last 50, 60 years. Lots of them are dead now, but uh, some of them are still on the go, of course, working at the top as always for the, to make sure the general public never wake up to the, the big plan of things. Most don't mind it because it's quite happy. It's a happy type of system. You've got lots of entertainment to go through. Uh, All the leashes have been taken off, all the old taboos, and you can do what you want in a lot of different areas. You're encouraged to do it. And when all of of this is going on, uh, they'll bring down the population because most folk don't want children anymore. They've been conditioned to do that. Again, the masters always foresee the future, and they work out their plans well in advance. Remember, too, that uh, you bring me to you because I don't bring on advertisers as guests and, and sell you lots of stuff that will make you live forever and ever. And uh, I just give you the hard facts. A lot of people can't handle hard facts. And the, some of them get freaked out when you see it calmly what's actually happening and what has happened and what's to happen. But in reality, that's what sanity does to you. It makes you calm, you see, rather than get caught up in fear. And fear becomes addictive. And you can be used by those who promote the fear, of course. So you can support me by buying the books and discs at cuttingthroughthematrix.com or you can donate as well. And donations really are really awfully welcome. As I say, I don't sell anything at all. And um, to do so, you can send a, a personal check to Canada from the U.S., still accepted. You can also use an international postal money order from the post office, uh, PayPal, or send cash across the world, Western Union, MoneyGram, and PayPal. And as I say, straight donations are awfully, awfully welcome. But if you don't know the past 
And I don't mean the general stuff you're taught in school. That's rubbish, uh, the history that they give you there with battles and famous generals and things and who becomes rich out of it, all, all of that kind of stuff. I'm talking about the real, the real workers, the managerial class, the world managers, they call themselves, that give you the cultural changes and the big shifts in culture and that they also plan depressions and recessions and way in, way in, way in advance. Nothing you do with what you're taught at all. It's all planned way, way in advance. They planned austerity many, many, many years ago. Even 50 years ago, they talked about bringing a, a, a phase down the road towards the 21st century of austerity for the public. That's how far ahead the masters plan everything. Why not? Because they've been at this for a long, long time. Back with more after this break. Hi folks, uh, we're back cutting through the matrix and as I say, I often talk about the past and the present and how it's all connected because those who control the past control the future and the present actually and the bat has been an awful, awful long time. The ideas that Orwell came out with and Huxley and other ones came out with a long, long time ago, even as far back as the 30s. Uh, are all in vogue today, uh, right down to transhumanism. All of these things were talked about uh, in quite detail at the time. And at top universities, Ivy League ones across the world, Western, at least the first world countries. And they knew what the future was going to bring them down because they belonged to the, the, the dominant minority they called themselves, still call themselves that today. There's a dominant minority, and then they also have a dominant managerial class. It's very much like Plato's Republic, where the guardians are at the top, the guardians of what? The guardians of their own system. And they can also have a military class too, and they also have a scientific class. And, and Plato talked about breeding them just for the particular job that they're on. And if you don't think you're, you've been bred for the military, well actually you have. You see, you don't have to compete into a test to bring out comes a little soldier. All you have to do is make sure that the children have 20 odd years of video games that are meant for the military, so they'll kill without thinking about it. And you've got them already made for, to order when they grow up. And that's what happened. They wanted a lot of guys for the military uh, for since about uh, starting around 1990 to the present. And they've got them all. They've got all the troops lining up, guys, young guys who are really mature and can't get a job, of course. And suddenly you'll be somebody. That's what they tell you. Be somebody because you're nobody right now. So be, so be somebody, put a uniform, and then they, tra- and they train you, and they train the public to respect that uniform, and off you go, and so you slaughter folk, and, or you get slaughtered yourself, for, for ideas that you don't even comprehend, because you're given the most simplistic propaganda, but it doesn't matter, it works awfully well, because the big boys have been at this for thousands of years, well, as I say, we're the most studied species on the planet, going back to ancient times. And you can't really go through enough science fiction movies, even the old ones that kept showing you what was coming, because you see, it was all based on the, the talks that the guys had back in the 1920s and 30s uh, to do with the future. They, they, were, they knew what they were bringing in. Julian Huxley, for instance, thought of himself as a scientist. That was Aldous's brother. And he talked about the scientific class that we bred as well. They'd, bred, they'd breed with other scientists. And 
predictably they'd have sort of people who were children that were pretty capable of learning the same kind of things. If you want a good mathematician, read people who are good at mathematics sort of thing. That's the idea. Just like the Rothschilds always breed with themselves for bankers. So this kind of thing's been going on for an awful, awful long time. And the science fiction movies showed us the future and their predictive programming. You know, I mean, there's so many varieties of future you could actually have, but they always show you the same things with, with what we've got today, kind of martial law type situations, uh, a wealthy elite uh, that employs a, a, a very well-equipped military, all dressed in black and armor and so on, to deal with the general public who are living in austerity or rubble at the bottom. And we've had years and years of the same scenarios over and over and over and over, you see. Always coupled, too, with crisis, because, you see, crisis is, is, is the excuses used to take all your rights away from you at the bottom. And the, the public at the bottom accept that, too. It's, it's a natural thing. Oh, they've got to save us. They've got to take care of us. It's been, it's been used all through the past, and it will always be used in the future, too. But what you'll see, too, in all these movies is the, the glorification of technology. And we're supposed to be so impressed. They can't, some movies are so, are so boring, science fiction movies, because they go, they go overboard with showing you the technology and explaining the technology. And you're supposed to go, wow, oh, and stand in awe of it, you see. Because, because that's what they want you to feel. Be in awe of it, scared of it. Because, you see, society is kept together on behalf of the big boys who rule you through fear. It's all fear. That's why you vote for them. Same guys who bring you into wars, collapse your economy because the bankers are in it, and then you all bail them out and you go into austerity because you owe so much cash, you see, and uh, push you into a fearsome state. And the first thing you do like any abused person is turn to the abuser to bail you out and help you. And, and that's what they do to the public, you know. Be very, very afraid and, and then you turn to the, and then you go and vote again. What, now what you're voting for, you're voting for the same system. I don't care what they call themselves, it's the same system. They're pre-selected, not by you, uh, and not by the conventions they talk about, but by the Council on Foreign Relations. It's just the, a, a branch of the Royal Institute for International Affairs. And that was set up by top bankers in London, the city, and they still run it today. Anyway, you're be awfully impressed. Now, here's an impressive one here. You see, there, you always get the one-off things that, that kick the, off the next kind of phase to get you used to the idea of living in a sci-fi world. And we already are trained. There's no, there's no privacy. Most folk don't mind it. And because um, they always think, well, who really cares about me? I'm not doing anything drastic. And, and that's not the point. They don't understand anything because we're all very important, even the ones who think they're, they're, not, they're not too important at all. After all, if you had a, if you have an original thought, like, like, you know, Matsy Tong said that, he was scared of someone with an idea, a big idea. That's what he said. He wasn't scared of armies or anything. Somebody with a big idea that could actually put it across to the rest of the people, that was a fearsome thing. So they've got to monitor everyone to make sure you're all predictable, you see. Now, and after all, too, you are farms, and all farmers make sure. I mean, they know the pedigree and everything about the uh, every animal they own. They know all about you and your health, your history, your, your genetics, your family's health history, etc., uh, etc. Et they even know if you're going to get married so pretty well, your chances of having a child with an allergy to this or that. Or they know all that in advance before you do, even though do yourself. 
That's what a farmer does. He makes sure that he knows his stock, you see. Anyway, this article here, the sinister wraith. Oh, they've got a wraith now. It's a land drone, a land drone. And it's uh, it can deploy smoke, take pictures and fire 250 rounds per minute in shotgun shells. Isn't that really impressive? Are you impressed already at that? It's a wraith. Ooh. On standby at the Republican convention, the protests get out of hand. Can you believe that? You see? And it says, sinister-looking unmanned ground vehicles called wraiths are being deployed alongside aerial drones to police the Republican convention should the protesters try to disrupt the proceedings. It's not known which U.S. government agencies are operating the drones, which have been used extensively in Afghanistan, Pakistan, and Yemen against <laughs> the CIA's al-Qaeda and Taliban targets on a kill list overseen by President Barack Obama. This is um, United Drones, that's a company built the wraiths, which can travel at speeds of 65 miles per hour and climb over virtually any structure or terrain. The stealth vehicles, they've got to put stealth in there, eh? Because it sounds, ooh, ooh, stealth, eh? Which have been kept in reserve so far can be operated from 100 miles away. Imagine tapping into that and taking it over, eh? It costs a lot of damage. It says, wherever, it says, whereas Predator and Reaper drones have been used by the CIA abroad, the flying drones over Florida are called Aether Eros, according to the Tampa Bay Times. And so the 4.5-foot-wide Aether Aero, which looks like a mini-helicopter, can fly at heights up to 4,000 feet and can operate for up to four hours. So we're getting a display, you see, of land drones and aerial drones and all that, just for the Republican Convention. So get used to its message as well. And you will see more of it as well. And it's also a great PR thing for the military-industrial complex as well. really is good, you know. Everybody will say, ooh, look at them, ooh, look at those things. Scary. Now, I said last night too, as back, back in the 70s, there were articles in the papers about uh, what will happen when they get their new world order all through. This is mainstream at the time. And that you have a global society and all the countries you wanted to take out and standardize under your thumb have, has been done, accomplished. What, what will happen to the military industrial complex? And they said they're all going to security because then they'll have nothing. The future wars will all be terrorism and terrorism within the continents, basically. And because that they're going to make it happen, you see. You've got to get a market for things and you can't get a market if nothing's happening. So you cause it. You cause terrorism, you see. So the Soviet Union, once the Bolsheviks got in there, they, they were finding terrorists everywhere. Oh, everyone's a terrorist. And that kept everybody terrified and obedient as, as the, you know, Trotsky and his army were around slaughtering people. Anyway, it says, so, so here you have it today and all the big boys are into this field because, because they've got to get, uh, sales, you see, and manufacturing going on. A lot of big important families, very old families involved in all of this, you know. So you're going to make sure they have a good future. Bentley takes aim at armored car market. So remember the Bentley cars, the, some of the Porsche folk could, could afford. And it says that um, the Bentley EXP9F concept car, and they show you different concept cars and so on, and into SUVs, is considering launching an armored-plated car range as customers in Latin America, the Middle East, and Russia seek to travel in bulletproof comfort. Well, you see, that's that's your world of the future that they talked about in the Department of Defense think tanks report a few years ago, where you'd have these kind of city-states 
that will happen, that will come out as the, the nations will wither away and you'll have some very important city-states, futuristic ones across the world. And um, you have gated communities where the very wealthy will live and they'll, they'll be well guarded with, again, the black-clad guys and, and armor plating and all the rest of it. And, uh, uh, and of course you have your drones all over the place protecting them too, because they're awfully important people, you see. And at that time, uh, which is almost here, the rest of the public will be unemployed and, and kind of barbaric, uh, as all their toys are taken away from them and they can't afford it. So anyway, they're going into this to make sure that the elites can travel in comfort and safety and so on. It says the crew-based car manufacturers exploring ways to tap into a growing market for secure vehicles in emerging economies where the threat of kidnap and assassination is constant. That, that's the future. This is the future we're putting across the world. You know, they call it democracy. But it's a good con, isn't it? Democracy. The mock part is pretty true. Back with more after this. Hi folks, I'm Alan Watt. We're cutting through the matrix, talking about the system in which we can survive. I don't say live, we survive. Because if living, you were truly living, you'd be free and you wouldn't have all the worries that you've got by this system, you see. But anyway, I'm talking about the big system and, uh, of course, where they're going with it all. And everybody knows where we're going with it. Most have already adapted to the pat-downs, etc., etc., and um, and we're seeing the. It's not just the rise of the the military industrial complex all over the planet, but it's also the rise of uh, military across the planet. You've got militarized police. Everything's militarized now to get us through into this next phase of the system. That's what it's all for. And um, and they know where they're, they're going with it all. And of course, eventually they bring in real austerity. It hasn't really hit the U.S. as as it has across Europe and elsewhere, but because they still need the U.S. to supply those troops and pay for all all the military stuff at the moment and take out more countries to standardize them. Uh, Once that's done, of course, they'll pull the rug from under the U.S. and and then that's it. That's when they'll use all the internal armies they've been building up. But here you go again. I mean, these articles are just commonplace. The government wants to secure... Wants to uh, security scan at least a quarter of all train passengers for explosives, knives, guns to protect railways and London underground from terrorists. You know these, this vague term terrorists that covers everything now. So the Home Office has published details of what it wants the scanners to detect and how they should work, and is asking for advice on the technology available. And it says the main focus is on the detection of explosives, weapons on people and in bags or search briefs, suggesting that technologies including X-ray, of course, or an X-ray or body again, magnetometry, vapor and trace methods, electromagnetic radiation and ultrasound could be used. I mean, people are going to get bombarded with everything. It won't be much difference as long as they keep their cell phones and they can... They can play themselves with games and that. But they'll be quite happy as they go through it all and get retrained. And they will adapt very quickly. Most of them already have adapted to most of the stuff anyway. After all, you see it all in the movies. I mean, isn't that how it's supposed to be? The movies come first and then you copy them. Isn't that the natural way? So that's where it's all going. And another article, too, is from The Guardian on the same thing, basically. Airport-style screening to be considered for train and tube stations. And, and even include biological materials as well in this one here. 
So it's big biz for, for, for in the training industry for population training and it's full steam ahead. It's doing pretty well. Also tonight I'll put up a, a YouTube link to, um, do you remember the guys, the American ones, the soldiers who shot the, the little boys that had a wheelbarrow in Afghanistan and then they peed on them and everybody laughed and tittered. Well, they got off with it, of course, and uh, there's no charges at all, so that's it. A pat on the wrist and a slap on the wrist and that's all. Maybe they pat each other nowadays. I wouldn't be so surprised, actually. But anyway, that's that's what's happening. Life is cheap, and you've been trained that life is cheap, and you you will get trained all, all the more with more movies and dramas on television about terrorism uh, that life is getting cheaper all the time until it's your turn. And what can you do then? I mean... What can you really do? Now, when all that's going on, too, uh, they're still going ahead with the building a North American Union. And they keep denying it, even though they've come out and admitted it at times, then they go and deny it afterwards. But I'll put up a link tonight to a video uh, that explains it very simply for those who don't know much about it. And it was on all the time, of course. And... An article came out of Foreign Affairs from the Council on Foreign Relations. Surprising, actually, that they did this, because it's been going on for years. But it says the rise of settler terrorism in Israel. It says Israeli authorities in the West Bank have long worried about stopping Palestinian terrorism and terrorism, terrorism. Now they need to add a new item to the agenda, stopping radical Jewish settlers who began attacking innocent Palestinians and Israeli soldiers alike. It says, uh, Professor in the Security Studies Program at the Edmund A. Walsh School of Foreign Service at Georgetown University and Director of Research at the Saban Center at the Brookings Institution. He's author of A High Price and, and it says the triumphs and failures of Israeli counterterrorism and so on. He's a fellow at the Saban Center. It says, um, so it gives you a story about how Israeli settlers in the West Bank defaced, burned a mosque. We all know about that for those who follow the news in the small West Bank village of Jabba. This is uh, graffiti sprayed by the vandals warned of a war over the planned evacuation ordered by the Israeli Supreme Court of a handful of houses illegally built on private Palestinian land near the Israeli settlement of Beit's El. The torching of the mosque was a fourth such attack in 18 months and part of a wider trend of routine violence committed by radical settlers against innocent Palestinians, Israeli security personnel and mainstream settler leaders, all aimed at intimidating perceived enemies of the settlement project. Well, that's just, that's been going on forever, sort of thing. But this is all over the world. Life is cheap. It depends who you are, mind you. It can be cheaper depending on the propaganda, but but life is definitely cheap today, isn't it? And mo- most folk don't mind. Because, you see, all these things seem far away from you. All, all of the things that you read about are far away. And as I say, when they put it into movie forms and fictional forms, you actually enjoy them. Uh, and, and so it, it, you have this schizophrenic outlook on everything that's given to you to do with violence and slaughter uh, and terror and all the rest of it by big authorities with big weapons. But it's all training you. It's training you into what you're supposed to be trained into. I remember some some of the movies that have been out in the past, the comedies and so on, uh, like Idiocracy talked about, I think one, hour, one part of the movie showed you the guy who was the lawyer for the accused, uh, who actually, I think he got his diploma or his degree at, uh, at, it was either Walmart or Costco or something. And this article I'm reading about is Walmart. One stop uh, doctor's office coming up. Back with more after this.
listening to the Republic Broadcasting Network. Because you can handle the truth. Hi, folks. I'm back, cutting through the matrix and talking about Walmart. How they're, it's, it's so interesting, too, because a lot of the Marxists at the turn of the 20th century were talking about all the proper ways that the world should be run, of course. There's always people doing that. They think it should be run properly, and they always have the way to do it. And there's different groups, of course, with different proper ways. And uh, But they talked about, uh, well, things are so crazy with all this private enterprise competing and then you find the ones who you call the right-wingers uh, also had the same ideas as well because they formed big cabals so they didn't have to compete with each other, then they worked together. And and so they came up with the ideas that went down the road, they said, they'd have, say, one chain stores would sell one particular item to the public. The Soviet system tried that, where one massive manufacturer in Russia made pretty well all the furniture that you'd have in all the houses. It was all the same stuff everywhere you looked, same, same, same furniture. And one, one factory would make the shoes and etc. like that. That was the, that was the ideas of it. H.G. Wells talked about it too. He says all this competition stuff right down to the personal level. One guy starts off a bicycle shop and across the road from another guy who's already got a bicycle repair shop. And then you start competing. It's all so crazy. It's untidy and all that. So they all planned this kind of stuff. So uh, we're seeing it all happening today with uh, the big, of course, the big um, build-all centers and, and Walmarts and all the rest of it taking over and putting everybody else out of business. That's the whole idea. They undercut the prices until they're all out of business. Then they jack their prices up. Old stuff, which always works, of course. And here's Walmart going into pretty well total medical here. Here, here it says, Issue a statement. Wednesday saying its request for partners to provide primary care services was overwritten and incorrect. The firm is not building a national integrated low cost primary health care platform. But then it says the nation's largest retailer is planning to offer medical services ranging from the management of diabetes to HIV infections. NPR and Kaiser Health News have learned. So they're going, they are going into it and, uh, and, and so eventually it'll be your one-stop shopping. You know, maybe you'll get even birth there, you know, and, and you get treated all your life there and you buy everything there and then you, you, you'll die there and they'll, you know, cremate you or turn you into goo and put you in the garden. That green stuff they're talking about. A bit secret-friendly, you know. So we're, we're, we're all, we're going down the track of, a, say, a planned society. And we're really in it already. Most folk are very, very uniform in their opinions because they're all given the same opinions by the same experts and they believe them. At the same time, because of this wonderful communication we have across the world, we'll get the same indoctrination at the same time. And that's just how it is. Now, part of the idea, too, was to get everybody the same. The big thing with the, the, the master builders who, were, who run this world, it doesn't matter if it's right-wing, left-wing, it's all the same. You see, they always run the dialectic to fool the public. So you vote one in at one period and you're fed up with them, then you vote another bunch, the different ones in again, and see how they do. And that stops you having revolutions, you see. But part of it is, as I say, the big masters want everyone to be uniform. Just like countries have got to be uniform and standardized. You've got to get a central bank, which is privately owned by the same guys who own all the other central banks across the world. And then you start borrowing money from the international moneylenders, and they don't actually give you anything except checks so you can print up cash. But then you owe all back to them. So it's a wonderful system we live in, and you think it's all quite natural because straight faces on television tell you that that is so. 
by their experts. But they also wanted children to be uniform too, because you see, you can't have this gender difference stuff. And they, just, they always said, you see, that after Pavlov and Freud and all that, that gender is just something that's indoctrinated into you. So you give the little boys a bit of rope to go and, and do crazy things and fall down, break legs and stuff, which they naturally do. If you're a real little boy, you'll climb trees and fall now and then. And you survive through it and you become an adult. Some don't, and that's just the way it is. But they want everyone to sit in class as well and, and be fully attentive to the teachers. And then teachers now like that too. They, they want everyone to be the same. They don't know how to, to handle children anymore. Children are kind of strange to them even today because most of them won't even have children of their own today, the teachers. But anyway, this is, um, so anyway, they want you all to be the same. So they drug the little boys now. That's how they started doing it. And you'll find going way, way back into the, the 30s and 40s, they talked about the pharmacological age would, would combine with psychology, and then they start drugging certain children. For different reasons too, because the ones who ask too many questions are the ones who are liable to be future leaders, and don't want that, you see, especially from the lower classes. Uh, Bertrand Russell talked about that. So, and they'd have to eliminate them, literally physically eliminate them if they snuck through and they didn't catch them in time. And someone with a brain could actually verbalize things and ideas to the rest of the peasants. That was, that could be pretty dangerous. He says we'd have to eliminate them. And we're actually here now, but they do catch most of them now, mind you. And the teachers are the ones who recommend the children be drugged. And, and of course you have all the talk show hosts and television telling you it's a good thing. So boys can't be boys anymore. Now, fun over for school children at Des Moines Public School as handstands, cartwheels, and somersaults are banned, you see. So you can't do that anymore, you see. And because you're all to be the same, I'll be the same and, and preferably effeminate. And, and it says that um, Des Moines Public School has banned handstands, cartwheels, somersaults during lunch and recess unless under the supervision of a trained gymnastics teacher. And with correct equipment, that means, you know, all knee pads and elbow pads, probably a crash helmet on your head and, and things like that. You know, cotton wool. Experts have got to rule you, you see. And a newsletter sent to parents principal Gail uh, Charlier said the ban followed consultations with the state school sports unit, a branch of the Department of Education, the Inner West Courier reported. So it says uh, the move has confounded parents, and it's such as Rebecca Chown, has, who has collected more than 250 signatures in a petition calling for the rule to be overturned. It's ridiculous. What's the world coming to when children can't do handstands and cartwheels at lunchtime, she said. Ms. Chown said she understood the principal felt she was doing the right thing. So many principals are worried about children injuring themselves due to their, the growing litigative culture we live in. They're all scared of getting sued silly. So Ms. Chow first told about the ban when her daughter Estelle Ten came home and said children had been told they couldn't do anything that had them upside down. So everything is just crazy, you see, and, and you've got to all be the same. And they'll have the little boys wearing dresses soon, probably, and the little girls wearing the pants, because they're doing a lot of stuff like that. Actually, Bertrand Russell called it, they've got to be innovative in this particular transition period. And eccentric, he says, even eccentricity in their innovation. And the public would accept it. It'll be awfully confused. Well, we're actually in it today. We're going through all this stuff now. And, and you're all told to believe it's normal. And and some some will actually adapt very quickly and think it is, you know. Now, I'll take a call now. There's Tom from Wisconsin hanging on the line there, and I'll take Tom if he's still there. Hello? Yeah, I'm here, Alan. Can you hear me? Yes, I can, yeah. Excellent, excellent. Um, 
Well, I've I've been calling into your show for or your your broadcast now for quite a few years, and um, the more and more I dig into the very nature of what I'm surrounded by, as far as the system goes, as the people go, um, I find more and more that there is this dualistic sort of experience that I have of hope and despair. I go between I go between the two. And it's it's like one moment I have hope as I find out new information that proves that what I feel instinctually is correct about uh, what's being you know demanded of me by the system. Uh, and then as I present it to people and they reject it for various reasons or tell me to stop you know thinking about that, um, I feel despair as though as though there's no hope because without other people around me to understand the same thing, I'm essentially on an island. And for that very reason, I think often what you say is that, you know, every, you know society is gone for various reasons, being attacked on all levels. I mean, I think for the most part, you're actually correct. And um, I guess, I mean, ultimately, I, I guess I'd like your comment on, I mean, is it just really a matter of time before everything is so altered and changed from what it was maybe 50 years ago that um, somebody like me would, I don't know, like be taken to a camp and be re-educated? Yeah, I know exactly what you mean because, uh, see, the first reaction that people have when they start to understand that something's awfully wrong, and, and they'll tune into often Patriot Radio and stuff, you know, and you get a fixed sort of view of things that the world's just been taken or your system's just been taken over now, which isn't true. This has been here, this system's been here for an awful long time. And that, that's the kicker to it. When you eventually clue into that, the system's been here for an awful long time. And even the, our present generation, we've all been tinkered with in our heads and so on and, and given ideas and things to chase after in our lifetimes. That was all done to, to us as well. And it's, it's been done more so today to the young children growing up. But you're quite right. It's been like this for an awful, awful long time. And, and it's scientifically designed and it's done on a mass scale. And, and that's what people never touch upon in, in sort of patriot sort of sidelines. They, they, they want you to think that you can get something back. It's like going back to a, really to a romantic age which exists in Hollywood as opposed to reality. And I've often said to people, what age do you want to go back to? Well, I think someone who's really honest would want to go back to an age where things uh, were, were more what they would say is normal and easy to detect and, and and there's no blurrings of gender, for instance, and all this kind of stuff all coming into it. And people were kinder to each other, and you didn't have the violence internally that we do today. Uh, you didn't have all, all the trash on television that you have as well that people are supposed to emulate, which actually they do. So you're looking back to what you think is a safer era, where you're getting a bit more leeway to, to have a little bit more freedom than we have at present. That's all you can sort of look at. But but we never go backwards in history. Things don't go backwards, you understand. And they're planned to go forwards in a planned direction. And um, what you'll find, though, is that the big masters, the big masters who played this game all over the world over centuries, um, when you have lots of industry, and there's a big tax base here as well. People don't mind as much because they're earning good cash at the time. 
during that phase, you, you get away with a lot more. The cops don't are not down on you on the highways as much, for instance, or are hitting you because you've got a rusty old car. They, they let the old bangers go on. That's the first thing I noticed about Canada years ago. That there was, they were allowed to have all these old rusty bangers at one time. But once the industry had gone, the crackdowns came immediately. The same thing with smoke, smoking and drinking. Uh, smokes were cheap, things like that. In other words, the, the working class were, were given all this stuff to keep them happy and content and productive. That was the whole thing. China now is getting going through that phase. So they're, they're allowed to get the cheap smokes and, and, uh, and the booze and get a bit more freedom than they've had before. Uh, but, but for us, we're post-industrial, so they take it all away from you, and now you're into the authoritarian phase, because the masters, to keep the system going together and people keep people from getting, becoming malcontents, they give you lots and lots and lots of the most basic entertainment, which is sexual entertainment, most of it. And uh, if you go into the Frankfurt School that was given permission to run American uh, culture and alter the culture by the President of the United States at the end of World War II, that's no, that's no kidding. They worked with Bernays and the Macy Group, Bertrand Russell, and all these big boys and the Huxleys all worked to design the future culture for Americans. And the idea was that they would not uh, bring in, because they were worried at the time the Jewish states in America were, were scared that America could go fascist. That was a big scare that they had, because all the signs were there too, they claimed. And so the idea was to to bring in what they called eros. Eros was the, was the opposite of, of um, fascism and authoritarianism. And so they would, they would bring the system down gradually, gradually over the next 50 years into a state which would parallel chaos to an extent at the bottom, and lots of offshoot side effects and so on. But the state would take care of it, abortions, venereal disease and so on. But they promote eros, eros, eros until they destroy the family unit. This is the Frankfurt School given permission by the President of the United States to do this and the Macy Group. And they reported right to the White House, you know, for years. So that's all you get today. And people literally are mind-bombed with this stuff, uh, that they're in a schizophrenic state uh, where part of them likes the system, even as it's going down the tubes. Because this hasn't been tried before, entertainment on such a massive scale, and it's so cheap for them. Uh, it break down to the, the, all the programs to get in their apps to get and so on. Uh, so we're, we're, con- we're in a controlled slide down to the bottom, and an authority is there to slap you on the head if, if you, you try to get out of line. But you're quite right. Yelling about getting something back is not going to change it. It's not going to happen. Uh, and th- there are no sides at the top. But the, the real top of things in, in this system, there are no sides of left wing and right wing. There's only one head, you know, and one system. And it's, it's a diet, the whole left wing and right wing work together at different phases to push different things through. But it's for the head. The head wants all these things to come through. So they use them both. So, so what can you do um, when your, your leaders are pre-selected by the Council on Foreign Relations? Uh, on behalf of the Royal Institute of International Affairs in London. And they have been for, for all this time, according to Carol Quigley, who was the historian for the CFR. So what can you do when they present this guy or that guy? It's no different than the Soviet Union when they said, um, 
take Politburo number one, two, or three, take your pick and vote for them. It's the same thing. You're voting for the same system, which isn't working for the public anymore. Uh, But the public are so mind-bombed, and they're quite happy, a lot of them, and they're dumbed down. They're dumbed down to an incredible extent uh, through their food and the poisons and their inoculations. And, And so many of them are on tranquilizers. It's just unbelievable in antidepressants. Exactly what they said in the 1930s. That's what they would do on tranquilizers and, and pharmacology. We're here. Hey, Alan. Hey, Alan. You, you know. so, so, so we are here. Yeah. Like, I'm aware of all that. Like, everything you just said, like, I understand and I've, I've heard and I've read and I know that mm-hmm. all has come and gone. Yeah. And it's still here, many, much of it. And mm-hmm. I guess, I guess it, I mean, it, it really comes down to then fear. Yeah. Of losing whatever it is that these these people are attached to, yeah, and, even your values. Yeah. Anybody yeah. I present this information to is like, look, you know, we have to somehow get out of this. And I say, this is the information. I mean, this is what's wrong, and this is what's right. And it's like out of fear on on whatever issue it is, people cling and and don't make a move. And and I mean, it's like we would have to let go of our fear in order to even unify, even do something to mm-hmm. to move forward in a different direction from what the left yeah. and right head of the system wants to take it. Absolutely. Absolutely. Most folk, again, um, you, 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 you run up against most people t- who are adapting to This is the problem. They adapt into it. The fear-mongering is also worked on, on and they're scared for themselves, you see. And... Uh, most folk have altering values. Their values are always changing according to the cultural shift at the top, and they adapt very quickly. And you're holding on to what you see as real right and wrong. And this system doesn't believe in right and wrong anymore. They tell you that. It's, it's capitalistic. Hi, folks. I'm back. We're cutting through the matrix and talking about the system that we're living in. Is Tom from Wisconsin still there? Yeah, I'm here, Alan. Yeah, I understand exactly what you mean because you're. Here's the analogy: those who have really come through all the different stages and haven't got stuck anywhere, and they've got beyond the usual nonsense that's put up. This vote for so and so. You're like the the guy in Aldous Huxley's Brave New World. The so-called primitive, they bring him into the big luxurious city where the new system is all working and people are bred for their functions and lots of promiscuity and so on, but no one gets married and you don't go with this. In fact, it's forbidden you go with the same partner more than twice a month or something. And you swap partners all the time. And then they listen to him politely as he's trying to say, well, don't you miss the family and having children of your own? And they kind of listen politely and they kind of titter and they see him as sort of quaint. Well, you see, that's where you are today. You are, you're there already. You're there. And amongst a society that lost, it's lost all its values. I am, Alan, I, I, I am there. And it's like we're in that process where it's, we're at the tail end of, of the families and the normal and the yes. quote unquote normal relationships. And That's like right. I, I have these, these primitive instincts. Like I I want to find a woman that understands that I have these basic principles of, of life, liberty, and the pursuit of my happiness that doesn't include tithing to the new religion, which is the state. 
Yeah. And and, and I, I was dealing with uh, somebody at, at a local um, agency that, that deals with the community, and he stated as at one point 100 years ago, people trusted in God. Mm-hmm. Now people simply trust in the state. That's right. And it's funny you said that because I was just reading an article by uh, Aldous Huxley, and he was talking to a group at the, at the Stratford, at one of the big groups there. And he, he'd said, he'd said this way back in the 1940s. He said that the biggest enemy we've had in pushing this new multi-leveled system of reality, the, the worst curse we've had and had to fight for a long, long time was Christianity. And that, that, so they've pretty well demolished it. It's been a full-scale battle. Uh, and because it gave you a, a fixed set of values, and everybody knew the rules, basic simple rules. But also, you didn't need a, a massive police force because everyone knew the basic rules as well. You didn't want to go out and hurt other people in, in, in different ways, emotionally, physically, or whatever. And, and so society was fairly stable. Once you take that away, uh, you have this chaotic system, and the state does take over and becomes authoritarian and and as big brother so you're quite right but these guys brought this system in by design and that's what um, as i say the big schools were that were given permission to create an alter american culture into this presidency that's what they talked about 40 50 60 years ago they literally have done it all right down to debauchery and even necrophilia as adorno Called it will bring a necrophilic society in. And, and I showed yesterday, I, I, I put up a link, I'll put up again tonight, to do with the Vogue article where they're sexifying the totalitarian state. And you'll see sadomasochism in the, all their photo shoots as they make it all sexy now to be tortured and slammed about with the armored uh, clads, black uh, clad uh, thugs. So we're, we're in it, and what you have to do now is live inside your head until you can find, if you can, find people of a similar mindset. Understand, too, they say it's a mental illness if you, if you don't have flexibility of opinion, exactly what they used in the Soviet Union. And so you're supposed to be always flexible with your opinions because ideally in this new system there's no right or wrong. You're in flux now, and that's what they want you to be. They'll say you're mentally ill if you say this is right and that's wrong. But, but thanks for calling in. I, I really understand what you're saying there. And from Hamish myself uh, from Ontario, Canada, it's good night. I mean, your God or your gods go with you.